Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that's hoping to get casted as Ivan Drago's son in the new Creed Two movie. He is the captain. If he dies, he dies. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today we are drinking Brawler by Yards Brewing Company from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Garage grade, three and a half bottle caps out of five. Brawler is an English ale that is delicately hopped for knockout flavor, but its smooth character and remarkable drinkability define this ruby-colored brew. And Yards Brawler was brought to us by these fine people. First up, we have Carlos and Kira in San Antonio, Texas. Next up, we have Jeanette in Riverside, California. And here's a long distance cheers to Pia all the way over in Oslo, Norway. And a big shout out from the city of Motown, Amy in Detroit. And on the East Coast, we have Allison in East Providence, Rhode Island. And last but certainly not least, we have Billy and Frank down in Coconut Creek, Florida. So a big shout out and thank you to everybody that helped us fill up the fridge for this week. If you want to help us out with next week's beer run, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. And a quick announcement to the people of Parts Unknown. We'll have a beer run. That's right. B-W-E-W-R-U-N, beer run. We'll have a beer run every day at 4 o'clock. So make sure you have your money ready. All right, everybody. Put on your drinking shoes. Everybody gather around. Grab a chair. Grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. On Friday, April 15th, 2005, 
Ray Grecar, the district attorney for Center County, Pennsylvania, called into work, saying he would not be coming in for the day. He had skipped work to relax a little and take a drive through the pretty countryside. He planned to stop and do a little antique hunting at a few mom-and-pop stores along the way. This was not terribly uncommon for Ray. After all, he was nearing the end of a very successful career, and retirement was in sight. The DA's office could survive a day here or there without Ray, so playing hooky and just getting away for a while was well-deserved. As the sun went down and the day turned to night, Ray's longtime girlfriend started to wonder when he would return. It got darker and darker, and yet she had not heard from him. She tried his cell several times, but he never picked up to tell her where he was. She thought she had waited long enough, so she called the local police department. She told them what she knew. The police explained that they knew Ray, and he was responsible. What we are probably dealing with here is he had gotten late, and Ray must have decided to stay overnight, and maybe his phone was dead. They would make a few phone calls and see what they could find. The next day, when the detectives and the first shift officers arrived at the office, they saw the report stating Ray's girlfriend had called and said he had not come home. After some checking, they quickly discovered Ray was still missing. He had never returned nor called. They set off in search of their missing district attorney. They got their first break when they discovered his vehicle next to an antique shop in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. After finding the car, investigators combed the area, but found nothing, no other clues to suggest where Ray may have gone, and there were no signs of foul play. The district attorney had simply vanished, and under some mysterious circumstances. Many different law enforcement agencies have looked into Ray's disappearance over the years. They have found a lot of clues and a lot of strange actions leading up to the date that he went missing, but nothing definitive. I would tell you that he was never seen again, but there are some that say different, that they have seen Ray after April 2005. Many have speculated that the prosecutor had made many enemies over the course of his long successful career, and that someone may have wanted him dead. But no body has ever been found. Was he kidnapped, taken away, and killed elsewhere, disposed of where he would never be found, like some kind of mob hit? Seems like something you would see in a Hollywood movie, and not something that would happen to Ray Grecar. Or is there something else going on beneath the surface of this man's life? Could he have walked away from a good life he had worked so hard to create? Or could it have been suicide? Or maybe even something more sinister? This is the story of Ray Grecar, the vanishing man. Ray Grecar was born in good old Cleveland, Ohio, way back in October of 1945. He attended the University of Dayton, where he became interested in studying law after working as an intern for the prosecutor's office. Mm -hmm. From there, he completed law school and became a prosecutor for Cuyahoga County. 
At Cuyahoga County, Ray specialized in prosecuting rape and murder cases. Ray married Barbara Gray in 1969, and they adopted their daughter, Laura, who was born in 1978. Mm -hmm. Ray, his wife, and daughter moved to State College, Pennsylvania around 1980. This is so Ray's wife, Barbara, could take a job at Pennsylvania State University, Penn State. This area is a really beautiful place, ideal for raising a family, safe and laid back. I guess the plan, Captain, was that Ray was going to be a stay-at-home dad. Uh, this is a you know new area to the family who had just moved there, a uh, career change for his wife. Mm-hmm. That's always been my dream. Be a stay-at-home dad mm-hmm. forever and ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, it, I don't know if this was a short-term plan. Uh, if they were just waiting for their daughter, their daughter to start school right? and then maybe Ray could resume his career in criminal law, or maybe this was the plan until just the three of them got settled in. I'm not certain, but regardless, at some point people started to catch wind that a very capable young prosecutor had moved to town. Yeah. See, my move would be kid gets old enough to go to school, right? Mm -hmm. The wife then says to me, maybe you should be thinking about starting your career back, right? And I'd be saying, well, you're so beautiful and, and smart and and powerful that, that you know, I don't, I don't want to disappoint you. And I also need some time for me to find myself. And that would happen for about 10 years. Well, a good, good friend of mine, and he and his wife do not listen to the show, so I can, I feel, <laughs> I'm just going to feel free to say this. His kids, he's a stay-at-home dad. His wife is very successful. His kids are getting older. And he told me the other day, he goes, man, I got to do something. This stay-at-home dad stuff is driving me crazy. (laughs) I said, oh, cool. You're thinking about going back to work? He goes, oh, no, no, I'm not thinking. (laughs) So I don't know what it is that he's got to do. But anyway, we got a little sidetracked there. Well, just a little side note. There's there's not many things more sexy than a very smart, um, empowered woman. There you go. I thought you were going to say there's nothing more sexy than a stay-at-home dad. I was going to warn <laughs> warn the dads out there. The captain's on the prowl. Hide the dads. So anyway, Captain Ray, he, he had a reputation when he moved into town. There's this capable young prosecutor that moved into town. After some back and forth and probably some coaxing, Ray is ultimately offered a job as the prosecutor's assistant. Ray excels at this position, and the prosecutor may have been planning a bit of an exit strategy and wanting to leave the county in good hands, mm-hmm. one might say. He recruited Ray Grecar. And because of this, the, just a little under five years later, Ray Grecar was elected to be the district attorney of Center County, Pennsylvania. This was back in 1985. In 1989, after a successful first term, Ray Grecar was reelected as DA. In 1991, Barbara and Ray get a divorce. In 1993, Ray is again elected DA. He gets married for the second time. This took place in 1996. But something else happens in Ray's life in 96, a major event. Ray has an older brother, and this is Roy Grecar. Roy was still living in Ohio. Now, Roy disappeared from his home in May of 1996. Mm Mm-hmm. Apparently, he was missing for about a week, but then his body was later found in the Great Miami River. The authorities ruled Roy's death a suicide. 
believing that he had jumped off a bridge and into the river, taking his own life. Despite his brother's suicide, he's going to actually have a lot of career highlights. Yeah, that same year. First, he had a successful campaign to make the Center County DA job a full-time position in 1996. I guess it was a part-time position when he was originally elected. Mm -hmm. And anybody that's been in this situation knows that a lot of times when they create these government jobs that are part-time positions, usually you have an individual that's working basically full-time hours for part-time pay. And so it was good that he got this, uh, got this switch to full time. There was also a famous case that same year and trial, I should say, uh, for Ray in 1996. This was for a school shooting at the camp at the campus of Penn state. Grecar prosecuted the perpetrator of the 1996 Hedsel union building shooting at Penn state. This was when a 19 year old girl opened fire with a rifle in the middle of campus mm. on September 18th, 1996. 19-year-old girl. Yeah, the, the report said that she fired at least five shots from mm. a rifle with a telescopic uh, telescope sight around 9.30 a.m. that morning so from so, the front of the Union building. This is interesting because I, I don't know if I've ever heard of a school shooting that was actually done by a female. Well, and this was... I, I'm not... St- familiar with the campus but i guess the near this union building is considered one of the busiest areas for pedestrians and students to be walking around it's a beautiful campus the shots sent hundreds of students and teachers scattering uh this killing one student and wounding another before she was tackled while trying to reload the gun the woman that was firing the rifle this is jillian robert robbins lived nearby the state college but she was not technically a student at the university. It's said that Ms. Robbins had a history of mental problems. The student that was killed was Melanie Spala. She was a 19 year old from Pennsylvania. There was another person that was wounded in this attack. And there was one student that escaped injury when a book in his backpack stopped a bullet from piercing him. Uh Uh-huh. What was that book called? I don't know. They don't tell you these things when you read the newspaper articles. But what they did tell me was there's an aerospace engineering student. This is Brendan Malav. He tackled Ms. Robinson as she was putting a second ammunition clip into the rifle. Now, as the two struggled, she tried to stab him with a knife. But she ended up up stabbing herself in the leg instead. But being a truly good guy, this guy should get like multiple awards. Not only did Brandon stop the attacker from shooting more people and more students. Yeah. After she had stabbed herself on accident, he stood up, he took off his belt and he used it as a tourniquet to, to help save her life as well. She ended up being hospitalized in serious condition, but survived. Yeah. Which Ray would go on and prosecute her. Then probably because of that prosecution, he ended up being reelected in 97. Now, this next part, most of you may not be familiar with this portion of the story, but there is a name in here that I'm sure a lot of you have heard before. Hawk Hogan. In 1998, Ray Grecar declined to press charges against longtime Penn State assistant football coach Jerry Sandusky following allegations of sexual abuse of a minor. Now, it's not just as simple... Is that, you know, it's not just as simple that he declined to press charges. 
there was a full investigation there. It right. it may have and probably was more likely that he was unable to press these charges due to lack of evidence. But this is something that we will get into more during both this episode and the next. And Ray was a little bit of a local celebrity. I mean, they would see him on the news a lot. I mean, you see this a lot of times with uh, lawyers or, or detectives in the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would be on local news stations, quoted in the, the newspaper. And because he was a very successful prosecutor, in 1999, Greekar appeared on the Discovery Channel show The FBI Files. Now, I'm not certain which case that they were discussing on there. I wanted to go back and watch it, but we were working on a bit of a time crunch this week, Captain, so I didn't get a chance to do that. Yeah, somebody feels the need to take vacations. Well, it's there's like a foot of snow outside and it's super cold. And <laughs> so I'm going to go somewhere that where that I'm going somewhere where that's not happening, buddy. Later Ray and his second wife split up. This took place in 2001. Mm-hmm. A year or two later Ray moved in with his girlfriend Patty. They worked together or had worked together at one time. Um he would later be reelected he was reelected, I'm sorry, four times total before announcing that he would not run for reelection in 2005. Yep, it was 2004 when Grecar announced he would not run for reelection and he would actually retire from the DA job. Yeah. Ray was turning 60 in 2005 and his retirement would be just shortly after his 60th birthday. So a very good and long-run career as the DA of a great place to live. And, you know, going through his life gives you the feel of who Ray was and what kind of guy he was, kind of the all-American boy who grows up to be the all-American man, you know, serving the community. He's a husband and a, and a father. <laughs> he has a, he's a husband multiple times, yeah. Yeah, a couple of times. Yeah. We need to talk about April 15th, Captain. April 15th, 2005. That's a Friday. Well, at 11.30 a.m., Ray Greekar called his girlfriend, Patty, to let her know that he was driving through the Brush Valley area, northeast of Center Hall. Yeah. According to the police chief, this is Dwayne Dixon, Greekar last spoke to his girlfriend, Patty, around 11.30 a.m. on that Friday. The longtime district attorney had planned to go into the office around noon that day, but instead he called his girlfriend who also works at the office and told her he was out for a drive along route 192 in Penns Valley. He told her he would not be in at all that day. No one thought this to be unusual though. Uh, Patty didn't hear from him again on Saturday evening. The state police located Greekar's car a Mini Cooper parked in a small dirt lot near an antique shop in Lewisburg, Union County, which is about 60 miles east of Balfountain. There they learned Greekar had been seen in the shop on Saturday afternoon. Greekar's car was locked and there was no signs of foul play. His cell phone was inside the car. He has not been heard from since. But we have some missing items here, Captain. They can't find this guy. They find his cell phone in the car. But there are some missing items. The items that they did not find include Ray's laptop computer, his car keys, and his wallet. Now they found his car. It was parked in the parking lot. It was the... like a dirt lot. Okay, so he's parked there, but you would assume 
It was seen in the store. That's why he parked his car there. Mm-hmm. But this store was close to bridges. And remember, his brother did take his own life by jumping off a bridge. Yeah, and I guess that would be the first thing, one of the first things that the family pointed out to police when they located the vehicle. You know, that this is, wasn't something that the police were super familiar with. Right. But, but you have you have the family that are going, wait a second, this is eerily familiar. Yeah. We've seen this before. We have, uh, you know, his older brother, Roy, having jumped off a bridge. Vehicle found near two bridges going over the uh, Saskahanna River. So, oddly enough, similar, somewhat similar to how his brother's vehicle was found many years before. Now, on Sunday, the state police used a helicopter to search for over two hours along the banks of that river near where his car was found for any signs of Ray. Investigators used bloodhounds to try to track and try to pick up some kind of scent, but they, they didn't find anything. They started tracking his credit cards and his bank records to see if they had been used. Uh, there were also they were also checking his computer files and his phone records. The FBI had been called in to assist with some of those tasks. In addition, investigators were combing through Grecar's current and previous cases to see if anyone he's prosecuted could be holding a grudge against him. Yeah. Now, the police chief would, would come out and say that there had been no recent threats against Ray Grecar. But he also said that there is no one focus point for their investigation, that they had no good leads early in this investigation. Now, the next day, we kept saying Saturday. I actually believe this might have taken place on Monday morning. But standing at a podium was Laura Grecar. Uh, grasping a legal pad and she made a plea to her father. She said, hi dad. I want you to know I love you so much. My heart aches deeply for your presence. She told her father she would like to hug him and perhaps hike up a mountain together and just sit and talk for a while. Yeah. She said that she will wait for him as long as it takes to hear from him. Now, I want to point out, Laura Grecar, she lives all the way in Washington State, so all the way on the other side of the country. She comes here to help look for her father and make this public plea on television. Uh, Go ahead. Well, do you feel like she's making this plea as if he's alive and he's running away? So you would think that she would have some gut feeling that's telling her that this is the case and not foul play or whatever, and then probably it's backed up by her mother, telling her, you know, she, she probably at some point said, I'm going to go to Pennsylvania and I'm going to make this uh, plea to my father. And then her mother's probably going, Oh yeah, that's a good idea. So that's two individuals that, that are close to him that think it's very possible that he just disappeared on his own. Yeah. And when you have no signs of foul play, that's the way you have to approach it. And that's exactly what she did. She finished her, um, her plea to her father, hoping that maybe he would see that, broadcast by saying i love you so much please call please call us now patty fornicola that's ray grecar's long-term girlfriend she also spoke briefly at that news conference she too directed her comments directly to grecar saying ray i love you very much and i miss you i want you to come home please call us we will wait as long as we have to and then at the conference grecar he was he was described by others there as a hands-on prosecutor who was dedicated to his job. 
Right. We have Mark Smith. This is Greekar's assistant, first assistant district attorney. He said that Center County was really blessed to have Greekar here for all of those years. Smith described his boss as a private person, a very private person. He kept his own calendar at work and he was passionate about the law. Typically, Smith said Greekar keeps his cell phone with him at all times so he can stay in touch with the office even when he's on vacation. Once before, they stated that Greekar had took off for a day and a half. This was when Greekar drove to Ohio for a ball game. But in that instance, no one had reported him missing. Now, also mentioned was the death of Greekar's brother, Roy, who went missing in May of 1996 in Westchester, Ohio. Mm-hmm where we had said, you know, after a week, his body had been found in the, in the great Miami river. His death was ruled a suicide by drowning. Now there is information out there and this is a bit difficult. Uh, I could find a statement from Ray's nephew. Mm -hmm. And this was that the nephew Roy's son had stated that, that Ray didn't believe this was a drowning that wasn't, didn't believe it was a suicide that he had thought that there was other factors involved in his brother's death. And the son, Roy's son, believed this as well. Now, unfortunately, we don't have Ray to tell us that that was his actual beliefs. We just have Roy's son telling us that. Yeah. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. 
IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, we're back. Cheers, me mateys. Cheers. Uh, so we we talked about the things that weren't found in Ray's car. Right, after his car was found? Mm-hmm. But the thing that I think is one of the most interesting things about this whole, whole case is what was found. And what was found was some cigarette ash. 
Yes. And I wasn't, I don't know if I've heard different reports, but I also heard that there was a report that his car smelled of smoke. Yes. Both reports from my understanding are true. So, um, we'll go through this kind of quick here. His vehicle's found and it's one of those, you know, small mini Coopers. Mm-hmm. And inside we find his cell phone, which we heard people from his office say, even when this guy was on vacation, he kept his cell phone on him so he could get in touch with the office. Mm-hmm. We don't find the keys to the car uh, and the car is found locked. Now inside the car is this cigarette ash, which is found on the passenger side, but it's on the floor area. It's not on the seat. It's on the floor in the car. The way that the police described it was it's like on the floor. What's that? The ash is on the floor. Yeah. The, the cigarette right. ash is on the floor. So, so picture it's almost like somebody was either a sitting in the passenger seat, smoking a cigarette or B maybe he had his window down. They weren't actually in the car and they were leaning into the car with the cigarette. Yeah. I, I had a buddy one time. He needed a, me to pick him up in Pittsburgh. Okay. Which is like three hours away or so. So I pick him up and the whole ride home, he was smoking. And I didn't, you know, pay much attention. He was just smoking in the car. Right. And then when he got out of the car, uh, I looked down and there's cigarette ashes all over my floor. And I realized he was just ashing. On the floor. Well, that's nice and polite. Yeah, I mean, I give him. I it was a six, seven hour round trip for me, and uh, and that's how he repaid me. So there's two things here. I can't say for certain that there would have been enough ash for one to believe that somebody was sitting in the passenger seat and just ashing on the floor like your good friend did, um, yeah. or if it was just you know cigarette ash has a tendency to just fall off the cigarette while it's burning. Mm-hmm. But the way that the police describe the ash itself and then the smell first, like I said, it appeared either someone was in the car sitting in the passenger seat. It was right in that area, you know, between the legs area or somebody was leaning into the car when the, when the window was down with their cigarette inside the vehicle, the smell was reported as the police said that it, it smelled to them. Like someone was smoking in the car, like right before the car was, you know, before they exited the vehicle, shut the doors and locked up the car, almost like it trapped in, you know, actual smoke itself. And it had sat there. They're not really certain how long that car had sat there either, which is the other thing to take into consideration. Okay. Here, here's the thing. And anybody that has smoked would probably know this. If your buddy smoked and you rolled down the windows and he was just leaning in, right. And talk to you. And there's some ash on the floor, but not a bunch of ash, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe a few puffs. He's leaning in the car. You're not saying anything because, you know, no big deal, right? Right. The person gets, you know, gets out of the window. You roll up the window. Let's say the car sits for a day. You open up that car. You're not going to smell smoke. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so, or, but take the same scenario, leaning in the car, smoking, gets out of the window, Rolls it up. You find that car in the next hour or so. Yeah. You'll smell it. Yeah. Might smell smoke. I would think so. But after a few hours of that situation, you are not going to smell smoke. Now, maybe if the individual's in the car with the windows up, smokes a full cigarette, let's say. Right. 
And now, now the, the window is going to be longer. Maybe six hours afterwards, maybe you'd smell a hint of smoke. You see what I'm saying? So that, that's a big deal, you know, to Well, me. it's important, too, because Ray Gricar didn't smoke. And not only did he not smoke, but you know the the people that like hate smoke and hate cigarettes and hate smokers. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was Ray Grecar. He did not. He, he wouldn't have let somebody smoke in his car. Is what his girlfriend and his family members would say. Now we don't know that that's a certainty, right? And that's that was where it becomes a little different because you have buddies, um, you know, that will smoke only when they drink, mm-hmm. you know, but. But when they're not drinking, they're pretty against it. Oh, you know, somebody wants to smoke in their car, they're going to say no, right? Mm-hmm. So, that, uh, you know, this whole idea that he, he definitely wouldn't let anybody smoke in his car. Um, I mean, I don't know him well enough, and, and, and maybe I should just go based off of what they're saying, but there's a lot of people that I know that are, quote-unquote, against smoking yeah, until they're drinking, and then they've had nine Bud Lights, and all of a sudden they want a cigarette from you. That, right. <laughs> well, no. They, yeah, they become smokers all of a sudden. Yeah. And usually dancers at that point, too. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but I think I think what the police are stating here is that, you know, we can't say for certain that he wouldn't, if, you know, let anybody smoke in his car for any reason at all. But the information they're getting from his family is that this is definitely something strange. This is something that they should... Uh, keep into consideration when they come out with the statement like there was no signs of foul play. Yes, this isn't foul play, but this is something definitely out of the ordinary where we've not seen anything out of the ordinary leading up to him going missing. Now, the reporters, we spoke in the first half about that news conference where we have Laura, his daughter, talking about him being missing and speaking to him like, hey, dad, come home, you Mm -hmm. know, give us a call. You know, pick up a phone and give us a phone call. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reporter is was stating after interviewing both police and Gray Carr's family that he said, you know, obviously the police are investigating every possible scenario. However, it was the reporter's belief that Gray Carr's family seemed to be leaning toward the idea that Ray had taken off on his own. Now, I do want to point out one interesting note before we go too far into maybe possible scenarios and some things that happened after his disappearance. But one thing we should keep in mind, uh, an interesting note is that at the time of his disappearance, Ray Gricar was making over six figures. Um, And remember we said that he was set for retirement. He was planning to retire within the next year. Mm -hmm. So just to kind of give you a general overview of his life and his situation at that time, because you really have, when you think about it, there would be, probably three major scenarios that we we should bring up here is that either a he was murdered and they mm-hmm. haven't found his body b the suicide we've seen the family history uh with his brother maybe there was some depression going on maybe he chose to take his own life and then c we have the possibility of him walking away just just stepping out of his car and walking away or d right right What's so, D? So D would be the idea that you know his brother um, committed suicide, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But Ray believed, and and then um, Roy's son believed that maybe it wasn't a suicide, but maybe a murder to set it up to look like a suicide. Mm-hmm. So then you have this conspiracy aspect. So did somebody uh, plan to murder 
uh, Ray and then try to make it look like a suicide or look like he disappeared uh, because he wanted to leave. Yeah, but they wouldn't murder him and make it look like a murder. You know what I mean? <laughs> like no, no. But what I'm saying is, you know, he had he has reason to believe that his brother didn't commit suicide, mm-hmm. that he was murdered. Acor- according to the nephew, yes. Right. And and also, according to the nephew, that, that's what Ray believed. Mm-hmm. So if that happened, whoever killed his brother, could they be responsible for the fact that Ray went missing? Mm. And and we'll have him parked close to these bridges, and if we do that, that'll make it look, you know, maybe, you know, you'll find his body in, in the water, and they'll assume suicide just like his brother. Well, and like we said, Captain, the cell phone was found. It was recovered in the vehicle, but the laptop that Ray owned did, was not recovered. And it wasn't until July 30th of that same year that a fisherman uh, had discovered Ray's laptop computer. This was in the river mm-hmm. beneath the bridge uh, between Lewisburg and Milton. A computer expert analyzed the computer, and they very quickly found that its hard drive was missing from the laptop. Divers searched the area of the river near where the laptop was located over the next several days, but they found nothing. It wasn't until two months later that someone had recovered a hard drive on the banks of the Saskahanna River, just about 100 yards from the location of the laptop computer. And investigators believe that this was Ray's hard drive, but Here's the weird thing. The the hard drive, as you can imagine, was quite damaged. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did they did analysis by the FBI, by the US Secret Service of all people, and then a private firm which attempted to uh recover data from the hard drive but failed to do so. In two thousand and nine, this is this is weird. In 2009, the police revealed for the first time that before Ray went missing, someone used the home computer. Now, keep in mind, this is at the home of Ray and Patty's house Mm -hmm. to perform Internet searches on topics such as how to wreck a hard drive, also how to fry a hard drive and water damage to a notebook computer. Hmm. Now, I'm not certain of the dates of these searches. I, I believe that there are people that have their theories out there on to when these this search took place. Um, but these searches were going down at the home of Ray and Patty. And it's just shortly before his disappearance. And he takes off. Let's, let's assume Ray takes off with the purpose of, of leaving, of walking away or committing suicide, right? Mm-hmm. He purposely took off with that laptop computer. And then we have these searches on the home computer prior to this. Mm-hmm. So now you gotta you gotta be thinking about a situation. Did did he leave willingly, take the laptop and want to fry the laptop for some reason? Or did Patty do something or have something, some weird involvement in his disappearance, and she was searching how to fry his computer uh in advance? Yeah. I, I, to me I lean more towards it'd be Ray doing it. Yeah, the the other thing, too, is that there were several of his co-workers had later told police that they had had conversations with Ray that he was inquiring about how to uh, wreck his hard drive or how to clean, let's say, clean the computer. Mm -hmm. We need to keep in mind, this was not technically his laptop computer. This belonged to the county. 
So one has to assume that once he retired, he would no longer be in possession of that laptop. He would have to return that to to the county. Okay, so let's just ponder for a second. What is on the laptop? Why would he need to destroy the hard drive? Well, where my mind goes, Captain, is it immediately goes to just when they found the laptop and then later found the hard drive, my mind goes to who other than Ray would want to destroy that computer. What would be on that computer that somebody else would want to destroy it? And I mean that because we're talking about a district attorney. We're talking about somebody that's probably got some dirt on some people and somebody that could have have information in there that could lead to future charges against an individual mm-hmm. and put them behind bars potentially. It's not until it's not until that you later learn that there were searches on his home computer on how to wreck the computer that one starts to think, well, why would Ray? Why would Ray want to destroy his computer? Or why would Patty want to destroy his computer? Yeah, but again, there's there's another step in the evidence chain. As one, there were searches at his home, and then he asked people how to do this. So we could, like I said, I'm assuming that he's the one that did the searches himself because he's also asking people in public, how do I get rid of, how do I destroy this hard drive? Right. Well, coworkers. He's asking coworkers about that. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, my, okay, so he's turning in the computer. What could be on there? I, I question would there be, I think police, their thought was that there was some kind of personal journal on there, that he had personal information about himself that he had put on the computer. I don't know how long he had been toting around this, this county uh, computer and what kind of information he was putting on there. Maybe he was using it for personal purposes, you know, mm-hmm. just as simple as paying bills or had financial information on this computer that he wanted. He didn't want the next person to, to be able to, to see it. Right, or there's hundreds of thousands of porn sites, you know, cause it was, he was using his uh, work computer to beat off that it could be that simple. He doesn't want them to know he was using the computer at work to, to beat off and he wants to clear the hard drive. All right. Um, that's a simple, that's a simple thing. It's yeah, it's pretty simple too, that he might've been doing some banking on their paying bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm talking about anything personal that he would use the computer for. Uh, is there a chance that there was some back and forth, some correspondence with his girlfriend on there? Mm-hmm. Cause think about this. He, they work together. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they used their, uh, County email to, to exchange some, you know, some, uh, some naughty pictures. Maybe I'm not, I don't even oh. mean that. I don't it, it, possibly, I mean, anything's possible. We're talking about somebody that chose to destroy their computer and run away. Um, but what I think, what I mean is just correspondence back and forth between the two of them of a personal, of their re- relationship. Yeah. Um, this is what's weird for me is cause yeah, it could be, like I said, just something very simple, you know? And, uh, you know, I did some banking here. I did some pulling the pud on here. You know, some, you know, risque uh, emails back and forth, which that would be government servers anyway, so they could get into those if you wanted. Anyways, journal, those are all simple. To me, my gut feeling is if he's doing searches at home and he's asking 
coworkers or whoever mm-hmm. that it's something bigger than that. Yeah, and I don't here's the thing. A lot of people have have presented the idea, well, maybe he's just gathering this information because at some point he plans to retire. Like we said, it's going to be within the next year and he just wants to turn in the computer clean for whatever reason. It could be innocent personal stuff that's on there. Um, But I do want to throw this at you more, at least more than one of the coworkers that told police that, that he had inquired to them, Hey, how do I clean sweep this computer before I turn it in? These same people, at least two of them told the police that, Please keep in mind, Ray Grecar, he was a very successful guy, incredibly intelligent and hardworking, mm-hmm. but he didn't know much about computers, is what those co-workers had passed along right. to police. And meaning, who knows what he, what his plans were for that computer or what he thought was... That they would find. Right. I think the other thing here, too, is, um, you know, he's a prosecutor, so... Sometimes you're asking these questions. You know, we we have a lot of conversations with detectives and um, private investigators about cases. And sometimes you just call them to go, if I was to do this, right? Mm-hmm. I, You know, so he could be inquiring about a case for all we know. Um, but this is what what's weird to me is his connection with Jerry Sandusky. And the fact that we now have this... Um, pedophile that you know we now know went to jail and um did horrible acts and what information did he have on jerry um that might have been on his computer yeah so uh before before we get into that captain let's go through this real quick it was in 2011 uh in july that the county actually declared ray Greekar legally dead you know they had not he had not been around for six years at this point yeah and a day after the judge declared Ray Greekar legally dead, this is very strange. The police in Utah arrested a man who resembled Ray Greekar. Mm. And this guy actually refused to reveal his identity to the police. And he was only being charged with a misdemeanor. Mm-hmm. So they, this John Doe who resembled Ray Greekar, uh, not only in look, but as well as height and weight. Um, and some even say that he had the same wrinkles on his face uh, that Ray Greekar had. The similarities caused an internet sensation. You know, people armchair detecting, looking for Ray Greekar. And there was a lot of speculation that they had actually found Ray. Uh, but it took some time after some uh, sending copies of fingerprints back and forth that they determined that that was not Ray Greekar that was arrested in Utah. Um, sure. So nevertheless, the fingerprints that they sent out did not trigger a match in that situation. What you were getting to though, sure. also something that occurred in 2011 was Jerry Sandusky was arrested and charged by the Pennsylvania attorney general's office on multiple counts of child sex abuse charges. Now we need to go through this a, a bit. I think I don't want the whole Sandusky case to hijack the show, but I believe it's important part of this case. And for some of our good people out there, they may not be familiar with this case, especially our international garage army members. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So for those, let's start at the very, the most simple part of this for, for people that are unaware. So Penn state is a, is a college, as we had said in the state of Pennsylvania. 
Now, college football, for people outside of this country, college football is arguably the biggest sport or one of the biggest sports in this country. It's a it's, huge it's, it's a huge, huge moneymaker. Yeah. Uh, it's huge for the uh, universities. Mm-hmm. A lot of these players go on to have careers in the NFL where they make a lot of money. So th- we're talking big dollar stuff here. Now, Jerry Sandusky would have been an assistant coach to Joe Paterno who was the head coach for a long standing time at the state of, uh, at the college of Penn state. Now there had been some rumor that, that Sandusky was molesting boys. And these would be, I don't have the ages in front of me, but I'm guessing if I remember correctly, would probably be about boys like age 11 to maybe 14 or 15. Yeah. And Sandusky was your, typical pedophile. Uh, And what I mean by that is he was the type that he was going to use his position of power to put him in a situation where he could gain the trust of some of these young men and boys. Mm -hmm. And then he would use that trust to, to turn against them and, and do horrible things to them. Right. He, he ran a charity and I believe the charity was called second mile. I'm not positive on that captain, but I think it was called second mile. And the, the simplest explanation of this charity was it was an organization that was set out to, um, to take a look at troubled youths and try to put them on the correct path to give them a second chance, so to speak. And so in 1998 was when the first rumblings of this come about, we have two boys that made claims against Jerry Sandusky. And this was the case that Ray Gricar worked. Yeah. He worked this case trying to get, I question how much evidence there was because it appears to me like he, he was trying to get some kind of confession from Jerry Sandusky and Sandusky said some things that were a little incriminating, but they were very cryptic. They were, uh, what he did was they took Gricar. I'm sorry. Gricar took Sandusky and one of the victim's mothers and yeah. put them in the same room together. And at some point, this is kind of mind hunter ish, you know, on mind, mind hunter, they always talk about how to set up the interrogation room and, right, right. and how to handle it to kind of manipulate the, yeah, put little the clues suspects. and things in the background. Yeah. So Greek set it up so that the plan was this, that he was going to direct questions to Sandusky. And at some point he wanted the mother to interject and kind of take over the questioning. And stab him in his throat. So the mother asked Sandusky something to the effect of, uh, all right, so this is weird. They were, they were in a shower together, which should never happen to begin with that alone. During the interrogation? No, no. The, the boy, one of the boys right, right. in Sandusky were in a shower together. <sighs> nope. So from what happened, what typically happened with Sandusky, from my understanding is there are several incidences where he would be at a high school, you know, players that play at a high school level, mm-hmm. or he would take these troubled youths to the uh, Penn State football facilities, and they have showers there, you know, and he would do these fake practices or whatever, and then there would be a shower session mm-hmm. at some point. It would typically be during the shower session that he would start to molest the boys. So the mother at some point in- interjects with a question of, when you were in the shower with my son, Seeing him, did that excite you? And I think that question really threw Sandusky uh, for a curveball because he he almost confesses there. He says something like, 
I don't know. Yes, I guess. Like he gives like a weird answer uh-huh. like that. Like he's like really kind of thrown off by the question. And then he immediately says something to the effect like, well, she, she says like, well, did you molest him? Mm-hmm. And he says, no, I didn't, but I'm, I'm sorry. And I, I wish I were dead. So it's, it's yeah. this weird thing. That's like Greek leaves this meeting. I mean, when you leave that meeting, you know, like this dude did this stuff. Yeah. He just didn't say anything that really is going to get you, mm-hmm. get you a conviction. And unfortunately, this is a guy that's of prominence too. And I, and I hate to say this, but we know this to be the truth in most situations. Usually people in a, a position of power, sometimes it takes a little more to convict them than it would some low life like me in the garage. Yeah, um, yeah I want to compare yourself to... <laughs> Wouldn't yeah. call me a low life when you, uh, when when you talk talking about, about that group. You. But it, the fact of the matter is, is at this point, and based off of the interrogation, based off uh, the transcripts, I'm sure at some point um, that Ray was taping this. This information should have went to Penn State, and they should have said, "Here's what here is what's happening. Jerry is not going to no longer going to work for us for one because we have young boys that go into the college program. You know, 18, 19 year old boys. So you're not going to be around them." Not going to be around any athlete showering. You're not going to work for us. And also those connections with the charity and you helping out kids, we're going to put a kibosh on that too. And that's what should have happened. That's not what happened, but that's what should have happened. Well, it gets worse because I believe it was the following year after these allegations first came out that Jerry Sandusky retires from his position as a coach at Penn State. Yeah. Now, upon retirement, he still, I believe he was the founder of that second mile charity of that foundation. Yeah. And Penn State allowed him to keep an office at the at their facilities where he continued to use their facilities to uh, gain the trust of these boys and then later molest them. So this continued for many years. So for those of you out there that are not familiar with this case, we're talking about a guy that was later convicted of multiple, multiple counts where we have lots of victims over a long history of time. The guy, I believe, was sentenced to 30 to 60 years, and I think he was in his mid to late 60s when he was sentenced. So thank God we're we're seeing a guy that will not get out of prison. Well, his son was charged as well. Yeah, and, and the reason why this is so big, so for those of you not familiar, Ray Grecar worked in the county of Penn State, where that where that college is, that college is the biggest thing in that area. That yeah, college runs that town. Right. Let's put it this way: that is your cash cow, and then your God, your God, bigger than bigger than the president, mm-hmm. right? Bigger than any world leader in that little town is the head football coach, mm-hmm. and so that's where this becomes really shitty. Because of money and because of a football program, I think some a lot of this was swept under the rug, and that's complete horseshit. Well, and there's plenty of evidence. I don't want to get into a whole debate about this portion of it, but there's a lot of evidence out there that uh, it's obvious that certain members of the Penn State University knew that this was possibly going on, and they kind of turned turned a blind eye to it. Yeah. And kind of acted like nothing bad was going on. And they let this monster um, victimize these children repeatedly for years. And and so what I was wondering is, um, 
I think it was his son, Jerry Sandusky's son that he had. And maybe Jerry was also hit with uh, having child pornography on his computer. Mm-hmm. So what I'm wondering is, what, what? let's just say, hypothetically, what if Ray went to some people and said, can you help me with this? Can we get something on Jerry? And they could have simply said, you know, we got these files from him. Here's the files. And then Ray opened them up. Mm-hmm. And then couldn't, you know, how do you explain away that file? That's interesting. See yeah. what I'm saying? And so that's why I wondered, like, to me, like, again, is it is, is it a kind of a gross thing that this guy would be using his work computer at home to, you know, jerk off or whatever? Yeah, but you can explain that away, right? Like, Well, you don't want to have to. You don't want to. But <laughs> I'm just saying that. I'm just saying that, like, if you turn in stuff like that or you turn in, you know, the, a diary yeah, I don't know. It, to me, it, there was a reason he's asking people, and it had to be darker, I think. And it could have been just as simple as a private investigator said, we got these files on him. You got to take a look at them to see if they're incriminating. Right. And he could try to explain that away, but that, that would be a, maybe a little more difficult. Well, and with regarding the Sandusky thing, you know, the thing that the reason why this case is always linked to the Sandusky uh, crimes is simply this. You know, people have often wondered if if there were so many people in powerful positions, so many smart, quote unquote, smart people. I don't want to label them as smart, obviously, right. that turned a blind eye to what was going on or what they thought could have been going on. People also wonder, where's the line then? When, where do where does one stop to to continue to cover up this, the misdealings of this powerful man. And, and that's why this case has always been linked to that. We have a guy that goes missing in 2005. We have rumblings that start in 98, 99, that this stuff is going on. And, and it wasn't until 2011 that everything is brought to the light. So was it covered up? Again in 2005 was, was it, was this going to be brought to light in 2005 and somebody stopped somebody stopped that from happening. Now it was, uh, I want to continue on captain cause we got one more item that I want to make sure we get to before we run out of time today. But in 2015, there was some information that came out and it, this is just full of bad. This is just all kinds of bad right mm-hmm. here. So in 2015, I believe it was September there's an unnamed individual that comes forward and he is telling the authorities. This is an FBI informant who is a former hell's angel member of the motorcycle gang. He tells the FBI that Ray Gricar has been murdered, that he was murdered back in 2005 and he was murdered by another member of the hell's angels. Okay. So the way this thing works is like this. Apparently this FBI informant, former hell's angel guy, he believed that the guy that he was accusing was, was dead by this point. Mm -hmm. So if this dude was afraid of this dude or what, I don't know why he waited to tell the FBI this, but, but I'm assuming he was afraid of this guy and thought that he was dead. He would later find out during the course of this investigation and the information that he's providing that this guy was actually, in fact, he was still alive and he was in another state. Now, I don't know if this guy that he's trying to turn in 
is still a Hell's Angel member. I don't know, you know, I don't know who he well, is. Right. He well, does. The, he remains unnamed to this day. But why? What would his motivation for killing Ray be? Apparently, the the, the member that killed Ray Grecar, Ray Grecar had had prosecuted this guy a long time ago, mm-hmm. and apparently it was for just some kind of assault charges. It wasn't for like the, you know, it wasn't for something huge, you know, it wasn't like a big crime, but apparently the, uh, the guy felt like he was wrongfully prosecuted. Not that he was guilt, you know, not that he was innocent of these charges, but that they gave him some extremely lengthy sentence for what he was convicted of. Right. He didn't agree with the sentence of, of what he had well, done. Wouldn't that be done by the judge? Well, and I think that. Well, I think the the state in the county can recommend uh, sentences or lengths of sentences. Right. And anyway, they uh, apparently they, once this man got out of prison, he tracked down Grecar and he killed him. Uh, and he, I guess he, according to this guy, he slit the throat of Ray Grecar and he took him out to this property. And I don't, I have no information of where this property is. This, these reports are all very vague. But he took him out to this property, and I guess there's a mine shaft somewhere on this property, if not multiple mine shafts. Mm-hmm. And Ray Grecar's body and his remains were placed somewhere in that mine shaft. According to this FBI informant, Ray's body's not the only one in that mine shaft. Oh, it's a bo- it's a body shaft. The problem the problem with this part of the story, though, is is that he will not tell them where this mine shaft is located. He starts to back out. And I believe it could be that once he found out this guy's still alive, he said, uh, yeah, right. I'm not cooperating anymore. There are a lot of people out there though. And a lot of people in law enforcement that believe that this might just be some kind of false confession. And I don't know what the, uh, the gain would be. I don't know what the reason for it. Well, you said he was an FBI informant that also was a hell's angel. Right. Yeah, he so, was a one-time Hell's Angel member, if not still to this day. Right. We don't know. I'd just say the the psychology that goes into having to be in those environments could mess with you a little bit. To be on both sides of the fence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of times, though, th- that's the misconception that I think some people have. That actually, a lot of times, these informants—that's what they are. They are on both sides of the fence. They're they're playing the good and they're playing the bad. Um, and, and it, it also it makes me with one's mind. It could mess with, with some, someone's mind. It also always makes me question their credibility. Well, right. Because your job is to alter reality. You're trying to alter the reality of the bad side or the good side. Mm-hmm. And so therefore your reality can become fuzzy. And like I said, it's just all kinds of bad because if in fact this confession, it, these statements are true, mm-hmm. then Ray Grecar is dead. And he's, he's in a place where they may not find him until somebody points this out to them. If it's not true, then we've just got another a bunch of information that leads nowhere. Or Right, doesn't matter. Yeah, in this case, it's just crazy because it's one of those cases where you have several different scenarios that could have happened with Ray Grecar. He could We could be talking about suicide. We could be talking about he walked away or somebody killed him. Mm-hmm. And or there's, a conspiracy. There's information to point you in either of those directions. 
mm-hmm. in, in all four of those directions. And there's certainly evidence out there to talk about more theories than just what we covered here today. And to do so on the next episode, we asked James Renner, our good friend, is he the only guy that's returned that's come back to the garage yeah, multiple all, times. The rest of them are dead. <laughs> the rest of them, the rest of them didn't want they're to see. All, they're all in the body shaft. But we uh, we asked our good friend James Renner to sit down and talk to us about the Ray Greekar case because this is one that he covered back in the day, and he spent yeah, quite he, a bit of time. He worked for our newspaper, I believe. And a lot of people know him from the Mara Murray disappearance and have some strong opinions, uh, good and bad, for mm-hmm. Mr. Renner. Um, we are on the good side, obviously. But we've asked him to talk with us about this Greek art case because this is one that he looked into for quite some time, and he got a bunch of information and theories from some of the locals. Well, he's just a very interesting guy to uh, pick his brain, and the fact that he covered this case made it even more interesting. And the the great thing about him is he didn't hold back on some of the crazier theories. He And not saying that he believes in them, he just kind of lays them out for everybody. So join us in the garage here tomorrow with our good friend, James Renner. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Until next time, be good, be kind, and don't litter. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.